What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. And today's a special episode. It's always special when I can get somebody who I'm friends with in real life come on the podcast. Well, I'm friends with you in real... Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, yeah, you're cool too, right? <laughs> friends with in real life uh, on the podcast to get to show the world all the things that I get to see behind the scenes, all the text message conversations, all the greatness that the world might not have an opportunity to know. I'm going to extract it. Cause I'm like Oprah Junior over here, you know what I'm saying? But any, no further ado, let's welcome Maya Elias to the podcast. How are Thank you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, you already know the vibes, Carter. How you feeling, brother? Even though I just, you know, yeah. I mean, like, just, after you just played me, I, I don't know how. <laughs> right I feel. now, I'm kind of interested how long y'all have known each other because I like a little competition. I'm like George loves me more. Yeah, we've known each other since 2019. <laughs> yeah, 2019. Um, I mean, it's probably true if, if it was longer because we we fight all the time. Like you yeah, know, what I'm saying because <laughs> it's, it's like hyper accelerated because now we're running to like 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, the first like oh damn, we like brothers moment when when I made the wrong turn for like the second time or something. He's like, yo, he, like, he snapped. I'm like, oh yo, like okay, he's really comfortable now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love you. Realize it. He's like, yeah. That is hilarious. I was like, he was stuck. Was he like, terrible co-pilot? First and foremost, your one job is to look at the GPS. Yeah. Why is it all on my shoulders? Anyway, but yeah. So at that moment, I was like, okay, I guess we're like really like brothers now. But yes. So I have known Maya since we always go back between 2013, 2014. But I think it's 2013 because I remember when the new website went live and it was 2014 so I knew it had to be like at least the end yeah. of 2013 so for those of y'all who don't know my very first baby the brand that I love makes sense to me Maya did an overhaul for my brand created my first digital product technically yes. um, my ebooks it was, a, it was amazing and she introduced me to the world of high ticket because I was like wait how, how much is the website? How much is the <laughs> That's she, hilarious. She, she, when you saw that proposal, I was like, wait yeah, a minute. I still paid it, right? And it was, and, and she did amazing work um, because Maya has evolved. We talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but her, her career has evolved. Um, and she started off doing amazing graphic design and, and web design. Brandwich. Brandwich. Oh, my gosh. That was the name of my um, agency. Yeah, I love the name. It was a great name. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk a little. We're going get, to get to know the Maya that you might not know on the internet, right? I think she does show a good. She does, You do a great job. Of, of showing some of the behind the scenes stuff and just being you. Um, and I'm gonna hopefully ask some questions so people get to see a different side of you as well. Awesome. All right, so let's get into it. So um, tell us a little bit about, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey just to kind of get us started. Like what made you get into the space? Well, how'd you start? What are you doing now? Let's kind of get into it. Take yeah. your time. Take, I, I don't know you that well, so I want to hear the whole story. Don't rush through it because he knows you. Like, okay. Take your time with it, okay? All right, awesome. All right, so I started in the entrepreneurial space in 2008 by creating MySpace pages for people. Um, I was going to a community college and somebody on campus asked me if I knew how to create MySpace pages mm -hmm. and they offered me $50 to create one. Yep. And I thought it was just so cool because I was already doing it for fun and, and for, for free. For context, what, what was the date? When was this? Like, like this, what year? What year? This right? was 2008. Okay, 2008. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it was my first year of college. Um, and I was just creating it for fun. Like, I just thought it was cool. I thought MySpace was cool because it was like, you could create a persona. Like, mm -hmm. these. this was one of the first platforms where you could build your brand or create a persona online. Yeah. So I was working with a lot of like wannabe models, reality TV mm -hmm. models, uh, mu uh, music artists and stuff like that, helping mm -hmm. them build their brand. So that is how I started my journey. I never really had a full understanding of what entrepreneurship was. So I didn't mm -hmm. seek entrepreneurship, it was just, I liked playing around on 
the internet. I was creative and somebody happened to just offer me money to do it. Um, And, you know, I am first generation American. Both of my parents uh, immigrated here from Liberia, West Africa. So Mm -hmm. in their mind and in my mind, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get, you know, my degree and, you know, work for the government Mm -hmm. or be a computer programmer or whatever it is. But, you know, as I grew in entrepreneurship, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this school thing. And, you know, I wasn't even good at school. So Mm -hmm. it was like, I was on probation because of my my grades and I eventually just dropped out in 2013 mm-hmm. um, which was my junior year so it was like first of all you're already late with graduation yeah. you're not even doing that well and so I decided to drop out work for myself full-time run uh, brand which was which mm-hmm. was my agency back then and when I dropped out I was only making between like three to five thousand dollars a month which was still kind of a lot for me because yeah. I in 2013 I was 23 I didn't really have a lot of bills so being able to make my own money online seemed like so much money 100% and just Um, so you know perspective wise that's how much I made graduating Mm. we graduated around the same year yeah my graduate degree first job as an Mm. accountant yeah I was making like thirty five hundred dollars after taxes if that right per month so you were able to make that on your own which is insane thank you i appreciate that yeah i mean it felt so much back then and i even like telling that story because you know people see us now mm. where we're like oh we had the million dollar launch or we we doing seven figures yeah, which yeah. i'm so grateful for that but it's like listen we had the humble beginnings where yeah. three thousand dollars seemed like a lot mm-hmm. and i always tell this story about when i did uh one of my first webinars and i did it with my sister maddie who's a an influencer here in atlanta shout out to maddie yeah, shout out to Maddie and James. Those, well, I still haven't had one of those uh those what do you call it? charcuterie boards? The charcuterie boards. Hey, what's up with that? I'm in Atlanta all the time. Can I can I get the invite? Yeah, <laughs> let her know. She'll put whatever you want on there. But she and I did a webinar, I think, in like 2015 or 2016. And this was when I was getting into webinars mm-hmm. and having like my first five-figure launches. She's the OG in the game. <laughs> I, was like, I had no idea webinars was a thing in 2015. Right. Yeah. So I started doing, I think, my first webinars in 2014, 2015. So she and I did one and we were teaching people like how to blog and you know find their message and build their brand mm-hmm. online and i think on the webinar we made maybe about like sixty five hundred dollars and mm-hmm. i was like oh my gosh we made sixty five hundred dollars and keep in mind that i've never had a corporate gig like yeah. i've always just done freelancing and making money online so i didn't have like a realistic understanding of like how much money was a lot how much yeah. money was a little mm-hmm. so making over six thousand dollars on a webinar i'm like yo Look, i am it we yeah, okay I mean, in an, an hour or two you made sixty five hundred dollars exactly and i was like revenue yeah. right and i'm like these people who have never seen me before they only read my blog or they're on my email list mm-hmm. like they're paying me and my sister money yeah. so we make you know about a little over six thousand dollars and i need to go to the bank and take out half of it to give to my sister since mm-hmm. it was a collaboration and you know, I didn't think to like PayPal her or Stripe her, yeah. you know, transfer. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't move money like that, so I didn't know what to do with the money. How you want this bread? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna go just get this in cash. And to me, I'm like, oh my god, this is so much money. Like they're mm-hmm. gonna ask me why I need this <laughs> much money. You shut the bank down. You pull all this at one time. <laughs> the bank might shut down. Right, exactly. Wanted to call ahead. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm like in line. Like, wow, I'm so nervous. They're gonna be questioning me why yeah. I need this much money. And like in hindsight, it's like, girl, this is. <laughs> Stop. The bank teller makes more yeah, than you. Yeah, like, yeah, stop right. playing. Like, come in. You can do the ATM out front and you'll right. be good. Ask you to talk to us for Why'd you come in for this? <laughs> right. I told my clients that story and they were crying, laughing. They're like, not Maya walking in the bank with a silver briefcase. Oh, yeah, I remember that. We were talking about that at the retreat. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. 
So yes, those were my humble beginnings, but yeah. I got into the coaching space after working with a lot of people with their, mm -hmm. uh, you know, their websites, and mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle to communicate what to say on their website. Mm -hmm. When I would say, a lot of web designers will relate to this. Like getting copy from their clients is mm -hmm. so challenging because people are like, "Well, I don't know what to say on the website." Right. And so I started helping clients, like teaching them how do you communicate what you do. Mm -hmm. Here's how you write your bio, all of those things. So that's how I found my gifting in messaging, and yeah. I've just been growing, doing live events, coaching programs. Programs, yeah. webinars, online courses, and things like that ever since. Hundred percent. Um, what she's so good at what she does. I'm gonna give. You I said this story offline, um, but I was at an event. We just came out, came off Invest Fest, as you guys know, and I ran into one of her clients who I didn't know was one of her clients, and she came up to our booth because she's she does something in coaching. Women. It was so specific. I'm like, mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody be this specific, like unless they've been coached by Maya. But I just thought it because I was like, surely, right? That's got to be a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, within 30 seconds, she looped back around. She was like, wait, I just realized we took a whole picture at Impact Weekend, which is your event, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about. And I believe that brand is either establishing trust in the marketplace and or what other people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm. Right. Um, and so for me to think that the same way, like like uh, Kleenex is synonymous with tissue messaging yeah. is synonymous with my that's a bar. Clip that up, please. Mm. <laughs> Somebody clip that up. up. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I just I just want to give you your flowers because thank you. And at the world of coaching. Right. And I don't think it's biased because I know you like truly like nobody can help people articulate their message like you. So I just want to give you your flowers. On the thank podcast. you. I appreciate that. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about. I know you got some questions for a friend. Hey, but so. you see, I'm loaded. I'm like, he's, he's over there. He's uh, uh, now you mentioned as you started uh, kind of getting to the end of your or your present day journey, um, <clears throat> you know, doing live events and things of that nature. Tell us a little bit about because you know we went through this COVID era, which is a like what was that right? Where we were locked yeah. locked inside for yeah. years for you to come out of that. I believe me and Madge was it twenty. What impact weekend was that? I think it was 2021. It might have been mm -hmm. where we came down. We did. Remember, we did trying to find a restaurant or something. We did like brunch. Like you had just finished one of your impact. Oh weekends, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Like, and I remember you told me what your like what your goal was. And I think you kind of knew some early numbers or whatever. And so for me, I was like, even then, that wasn't that long ago. But I wasn't yet in doing events. I was like, man, <clears throat> this that was a success. That was a huge success. So like, tell us a little bit about. What made you start doing live events, live launches, and just what does that entail? Because now that we do events, we just understand the scale and the gravity and the magnitude mm -hmm. of what's required. And so you were kind of a pioneer in that regard. So I would love to hear your perspective on just like what it takes to do that and how you got into doing that. Yeah, for sure. So even before what uh, Impact Weekend was what it is today. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's about 150 to 250 women in Atlanta. I started small and I used to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of VIP days and I was like, what would it look like if I could just do a handful of VIP days with you know multiple people in a room in mm -hmm. an Airbnb? And so back then, this was when I was leveraging free Facebook groups as part mm -hmm. of my marketing and lead generation. And I remember asking the ladies in there, I think maybe about 1,000 to 2,000 mm -hmm. people in there, like who would be interested in staying in an Airbnb and mm -hmm. learning from me for two days about their messaging and their marketing? Mm -hmm. And so that was like my first like seed of Impact Weekend. And then I eventually you know launched I had 12 women come at $2,000 and I felt really good. I'm like, okay, just had a $24,000 launch. And I kept doing it. I did it maybe uh, four or five times before. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to go bigger with this. Like, I keep selling out 12 to 15 women. Um, people are still wanting to work with me. What would it look like if I went bigger? And I was a little nervous to go bigger because 
I've always created a lot of intimacy between me and my community. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like anytime I would see a Stripe notification or mm -hmm. a PayPal notification, I would know who it, who it was, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they've responded to my email before or we've DM'd or I've seen their name inside of my yeah. community. So I have this fear of growing and scaling because I'm like, will I lose that intimacy and that personal touch? Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know what, I really need to expand my impact i can't just stay small forever right. so when i decided to do impact weekend on a bigger scale what allowed me to keep that intimacy was i had what we called impact coaches since my company is called built to impact we had other coaches who would take my frameworks and teach the women throughout the event yep. and it was really cool to see that people weren't 100 reliant on interacting with me one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. but so long they had access to my frameworks and my team and yep. an extension of my vision yep. that it was still okay so it was really really cool to see that and i think that was also a time where i started to shift from like really solopreneur to CEO mm -hmm. and like personal brand to actual like entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. doing the larger events has been amazing, um, obviously from a monetary standpoint, which if we go in, we should go into the strategy of live events because yeah. everybody thinks like, oh, oh let me yeah. do a live event. It's like, yes. no, this is, Chill, you better yeah, have yeah, money yeah, up yeah. front yeah. for this, yes. right? You better yes. have a strategy to make, like there's, very few people who actually profit from events Period. and yeah. mm -hmm. we happen to profit from ticket sales because of what we price it at but even if we just broke even on ticket sales i would be happy because the goal can't be to profit from ticket sales right, right? the goal got to be to profit from the, the you know offer. yeah right. the, mm -hmm. either the back end offer sponsorships whatever it is right. but you know it's been a really cool journey so far it's been profitable it's been stressful at times right. you know but Learn, learning learning in, in real in real life so i'll, I'll let you get yeah one in. yeah because yeah, <laughs> i know i know i know we're gonna spend a lot of time on the events part because we, right. we need to know about that as well and, mm -hmm. and how, to, how to make money from that but i just want to talk about the importance of messaging because starting entrepreneurs right they need you so bad mm, they need you mm -hmm. so bad people know what they do but they don't know how to tell people what they do yes people if they don't know you i'm gonna say if, if you can't articulate what you can do i can't pay you Right. Right. And the moment you go over 30 seconds, I'm out mentally checked out. Out. <laughs> so just some, you know, some some high level tips for starting out entrepreneurs to understand how to find their messaging because they need to know how to find it and then how to successfully communicate it if you can. Yeah, for sure. I think where people go wrong with messaging is that they make an assumption that people know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I work with a lot of really skilled people, a lot of experts who have been in their industry mm -hmm. five, 10, 20 years. And the issue is they speak at, they speak like this expert jargon. Right. And it's like, girl, we don't know what yeah. this means. And I used to make fun of George all the time because yeah. he would, I'd be asking George about money, which I'm newly learning about, like how yeah. to make my money work for me within mm -hmm. the last few years years mm -hmm. and george would be talking about like well here's how you mitigate risk and then i'm like i don't even know <laughs> what the word mitigate means, okay so yeah. i'm already it's already yeah. a risk because yeah, i don't yeah. even know the right terms <laughs> it's already a risk it's That's already hilarious. a risk That's so hilarious. it's like you want to be able to speak in layman terms like just pretend you're having a conversation with somebody that you want to help essentially messaging is what you do in a very general sense, it mm -hmm. doesn't need to be fancy, it just mm -hmm. needs to be clear and simple, mm -hmm. who you truly desire to serve. And this can be a challenge for a lot of new entrepreneurs because they wanna help everybody. everybody. If you have a pulse, I'm your man. 
if you have a pulse, I'm your man. And I struggled with this too. Yeah, like when I first yeah. started, I was like, I work with corporate white males, 40 to 60. And it's like, girl, you don't know any white men. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Please name all the white men you know in corporate. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. stop lying. Hey, you haven't so, had a corporate yeah. job. You, right, you haven't had a corporate job. I interned like once at you know a corporate gig and I'm like, this is my audience. And it's like, girl, no, it's not. So you wanna you wanna be really clear on you know what you do, who you serve, and how you serve them. That's essentially what your messaging is mm -hmm. in, in the simplest form. And you'll yeah. find that you know who you serve, they're usually a reflection of you know what you look like or something that you've been through or related to your brand story somehow. Mm -hmm. um, it might not be a story that you went through, but maybe it was something that you saw growing up or you saw you know in yeah. your industry that you wanted to fix. Yeah. No, nah, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so, do you do you recommend the Build Your Story brand book by Don O'Miller? Yeah, he's fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, he's genius at what he does, okay. and he gives really great examples and templates. And I'm a template queen. Like my yeah. clients will always laugh at how many templates are in my programs. They yeah. say I'm going to Template Town so I can work. <laughs> <on my laughs> page, up. So yeah, that, that's a great book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. You mentioned uh, discussing event strategy. Um, let's talk about it a little bit because people don't know. Like they again, they see the events and they see the recap video that our guy Eric, who's recording our podcast today, uh, is doing, and it's fire and it's a vibe. And Maya's twerking on stage, and there's a, there's a, a all sorts of beautiful activations. It's like I want to do that. Yeah. But do you have the budget? I like to I, I like to say, do you have the economic stamina, <laughs> right? Right. To be, able, right to be able to handle this because it's right. not cheap, right? Yeah, like we right. just had an event. It was a six figure event, right? That it was a it was a and brand. If, if we didn't get the money on the front end, like 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 right. our events are fulfillment events. Meaning yeah. we already got paid to do it, and I still almost didn't want to do it. No, right. for real. Like, like, no, for real. Yeah, I'm like, well, the money not ran out actually. By right. the time we get to we the like six months ago. Yeah, you know exactly. I've actually already spent this. <laughs> yeah. So so tell us a little bit about. The strategy because it's new um, for a lot of people. Like a lot of people don't have, have no context to it. They just think that events would be so dope, and I get to be on stage. Like, yeah. so talk about the the purpose and then the strategy behind making it make sense for your business. Yeah, for sure. And I want to speak to something that Carter said. He was like, do, "We do fulfillment events," and I think people also don't understand the difference of yeah. like these different types it, of it, events, it, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's fulfillment events, meaning your clients have already paid you or mm -hmm. whoever has already paid you, mm -hmm. and now it's time for you to fulfill this promise right? right i'm fulfilling you know a, i have a client retreat coming up and it's a fulfillment event my clients have paid me to yep. work with me for 12 weeks and now they come in so i'm mm -hmm. not making additional money for this event right. it's part of the fulfillment of the service that they have mm -hmm. paid for and then what we do really well of course we do fulfillment events but then there's enrollment events where mm -hmm. the purpose is to get people in the room you know people do this with webinars and stuff mm -hmm. people do this with live virtual challenges which mm -hmm. you guys kill as well and then the in-person enrollment events where the purpose is to enroll people into a next level offer right. into your program into your service yeah. and so we have one uh, main enrollment event per year and this is the majority of mm -hmm. our revenue this is our biggest launch per year and so right. we rely on this to go really well so yeah. we have to have the money up front because mm -hmm. we're like we got to get people in the room we got to make it instagrammable we got to create fomo because we also know immediately after the event we open up ticket sales for pre-sales to the next year mm -hmm. so there's just so much strategy that goes into right. it this is something that we work on for at least six months out of the year yeah yeah, so one thing I, I'm very interested because in, I'm I'm very big on the brand side of what we do, right? Like it's no secret. Like that's that's my bread and butter and jam. So like what I like, what I've always liked about you is I feel like you you prioritize the integrity 
of your brand right okay. like like there's other ways you can make more money but it's like i'm gonna do it this way because this is gonna make it more sustainable and i'm gonna be around for a long time so when you have this once a year major flagship event talk us about like like how do you how do you like keep yourself from like doing additional things when you know you could and you know you can make more money at the sake of like maintaining the integrity of your brand yeah i think for me um it's because i've never really been driven by money right. i love money and mm -hmm. i love to make a lot of it and i love my clients to make a lot of it but right. it's not my primary goal and i say okay. that i don't say that in like the fake humble like i don't do this for the money like no, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, run yeah. a business you better be after the money right like, like we got we got to say if you if you uh hanging out with, with your friends you're not getting no money as a non-profit yeah. right you need exactly. to change from an llc to a 501c <laughs> awesome, real quick and you're not going to be able to make any impact without right. any money period right. so definitely i want to make money but i'm not easily distracted by other money making opportunities since the sole purpose is not to make money mm -hmm. anything i do needs to make money but it also has to be in alignment with purpose and impact so if yeah. i'm looking at something that can make money but it's not you know bringing me additional joy it's mm -hmm. not making me more impact then it's easy for me to be like let me put that you know on the back burner right. and you know put my focus into this one thing and i've also seen that you can make a million dollars doing less right. so it's it's easier not to get distracted when you know like having clear focus makes you good money it makes a deeper impact with your community yeah and, and also for you it's, it's it's making you know making more and doing less but also the lifestyle side of it right like one of the pillars or anchors of your brand is what do you, what is it the three what is it what is it now the, how, how many hours you work that you're your, your, oh yeah like the three hours a day yeah the three hour yeah three hour three hour work day or whatever yeah um and so talk to us a, a little bit about that because again i think we become entrepreneurs and then we get like stuck in this hustle culture, like just pursuing the next thing. You've, you've also done that very well of like, okay, yeah, let me, let me make sure that there's true about harmony. I'll say yeah. harmony yeah. within my lifestyle and my business so that I can enjoy myself. I can kick yeah. my feet up. I can relax. I can actually feel confident on the internet saying I didn't do anything today yeah. and not feel bad about it. Right. Talk mm -hmm. to us about like even how you got to that place of comfort, right. To, to be in that space. And then more importantly, how did you structure your business to be able to, to make that happen? Yeah. I mean, I always jokingly say, like, I'm I'm lazy. I don't want to do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, I think the beauty is if I have to work a 10 hour day, a 12 hour day, I can. I have the work ethic, but I don't find value in telling people I worked really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think some people, they find their value in that. They find mm -hmm. value and be like, yeah, I hustled. I did this. I did that. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. And we still made money. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say anything, the work was done. It just wasn't done by me. Facts. And so That's I don't have a lot of ego mm -hmm. around being the person doing the work and i yeah. think that's where a lot of people get stuck like nobody can do this better than me i'm like mm -hmm. well she could do it 80 percent, so i'm gonna let her have it yeah <laughs> and so yeah. i like even before i was making six figures i remember my first you know hire was a va and back then this was when like you could get vas for you know six hundred dollars a month right yeah, and she yeah. was stateside and i remember hiring her not because i couldn't do the work not because i was so busy I just wanted to spend more time laying in bed watching Netflix. And I was like, why would I be sitting in my basement on my laptop in the dark building a landing page when somebody else could do this? Right. And so it was like, okay, if 
on average hourly back then, I think people were paying me 75 to $100 an hour for coaching calls. Mm. And I'm like, well, I could just pay a VA $10 an hour mm. to do this landing page. Like, what is the point of me doing $10 per hour tasks when it. people are already seeing $100 an hour of value in me? Right. Ooh. Yeah, yeah no, I like and, I, and, I, and I think that, one, I love what you said about this, um, you know, hustle culture. We did an episode about uh, a few weeks ago about um, entrepreneur trauma, mm. and it's just about like, you know, you, you, we we're, we're I'm traumatized at least. You know, when you're building a business, you're putting in the work, mm-hmm. and I like built this value in working ten hour eight ten hour days. Yeah, and sometimes it's not necessary anymore. Right. Like if yeah. you hire the right people, you don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. So I love that you speak about that because they, you know, and it's something to look forward to. You will get a place in your business where you make enough money. You deploy you. You use the money. You use the money to buy back your time, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can enjoy life. Yes, because that's that's the ultimate goal. It's not about the money you make. Your your wealth is defined by how much time you have to enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even like when I think about profit, like I almost mm-hmm. asked you to bring me that hoodie or a shirt. Like I've been thinking about profit so much more. I'm like, I don't just want to profit in money. I want to profit in time. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I spending my time? How much time do I have mm-hmm. to even invest in my happiness and yeah. fulfillment? So, but I do think it's important. Like you know, understanding we. I'm sure we all started with the eight hour days, the 10 hour days, the 12 hour days. Like I worked a lot, but it was really fun for me back then. I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't mind working that much and I don't mind working that much now when necessary, but I don't try to push myself to work harder than what's necessary. Yeah, the way I like to always articulate it is you have to understand the distinction between your identity and your role, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you do something for so long, you mistake it for your identity, right? Like when I was high, when I hired my first like certified financial planner in the firm, I was so used to being the guy that like it was a part of my identity. Like, oh wait, I'm not the advisor anymore. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm supposed to be the one that knows it all. Um, it had become a part of my identity, so I had to unravel mm-hmm. that right and realize it was just one of the roles. Yeah, that I have. I'm the same way, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. I was a financial advisor, right? I can still have impact, pun intended. Um, it just might look different. It might be yeah. as a thought leader, right? It might be as a podcaster, but not as an advisor. So yeah. people have to kind of unravel the identity of being an entrepreneur, right? Versus the role that it has in their life. I that, love if that, that. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's been a huge shift, like even for me, like going from coach to CEO of a coaching company, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to be the coach, right? right. You, you've gone from advisor to being the CEO of an investment firm where right. people can work with your advisors. Right. So that is definitely a shift and you will see a shift in the things that you do, how you think, how mm-hmm. you spend your time and the amount of time that's invested. Big facts, big facts. 1,000%. You coach female uh, entrepreneurs how to find their messaging, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm assuming it's other uh, other uh, other coaches as well that want, that want to be a better coach and things like that. Yep. So my question is, we're in this culture where like coaching businesses are the number one fastest growing businesses out that, that's out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully you're profiting from that a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Do you, so what's, what is your opinion on the industry right now? Do you think it's something that is growing so fast and might get oversaturated? Because I personally think that the best thing you can do is monetize your genius, mm-hmm. period, yeah. right? And you teach people how to do that. Do you do you think that this is something that's going to be longstanding and that people should still tap into? Because some people feel like that, oh, it might be too late. There's already so many other coaches in my field that's helping women do X, Y, Z. What's your opinion on that? Right. I mean, I definitely do think the industry is getting saturated, but that is just proof that it's working. 
Bingo. Right. So it's it's saturated, but you have to do the work to be able to stand out. Like don't don't not do something just because it might be a little bit more challenging to get into. Um, but I mean, I love the coaching industry, and as a coach, like you know, we we see the pros and cons mm-hmm. of the coaching industry where we're like, oh, there's another coach, <laughs> and yeah. you know, and I I'm very mindful of the people who I help that say they want to be coaches. Like mm-hmm. a requirement for us is like, how long have you been in this industry? Who mm-hmm. have you gotten results for? Or tell you know tell me a little bit about your receipts mm-hmm. so i think the coaching industry is great but you do want to enter it with yeah actual expertise and right. a level of integrity like you know somebody dm'd me the other day and they're like hey i want to be a coach you know i want to teach people how to do this blah 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 business and i was like okay well tell me how much money you made in that business mm-hmm. ah. and they made like five thousand dollars and i was like i don't understand what you would be teaching people <laughs> and i wasn't even trying to come from a condescending yeah. point of view but right. i'm like realistically like you know every sometimes i'll go in with the approach of like i'll say you know you don't really need to be an expert you just need to be a few steps ahead mm-hmm. but five thousand dollars in a year is not even the that's first reach. step that's, 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 <laughs> what, that's what we would call the reach of the week, reach of the we, week. we have a new segment on our podcast called the reach of the it's week it's the yeah. reach of the week yeah. so we just want to make sure we have like actual tangible results that somebody else would want right mm-hmm. like how much can you really charge somebody to like teach them how to make five thousand dollars a year so we just want to be <laughs> really clear honest and just operate with integrity in the coaching industry but if you know you are an expert if you know you want to help people especially if you want to do high ticket tap into the coaching industry it's wide open so big facts big facts yeah One, one thing i wanted to talk to you about is the pressure of being a pioneer um you have been doing this for a long time even though you're young because you started so soon it feels like oh my gosh i've been here forever i'm the og which is all true um, and so I know at times, like, you can almost feel like, well, am I tapped out? Have I done the extent of what I'm supposed to do in this space um, <laughs> because of how long I've been doing it, yeah. right? So, like, talk to us about some of the pressures of being a pioneer and just being, you know, one of the early adopters. Like, because there's some pros that come with that, obviously, in the beginning. But how does, how does that feel now, like, as you're, you know, maturing in your career and how are you processing that? Yeah, I think it is really interesting to be in a space for so long and still be young because I'm like, I feel like I should have more energy to like keep going and want to hustle. And I'm like, every once in a while, I feel like Blockbuster and I'm watching the Netflix, (laughs) the Netflixes win. You know what I mean? And it's not because I'm not, I mean, I'm phenomenal at what I do and I'm really proud of what I built, but it's like, I don't want to learn AI. I don't want to figure out TikTok. I don't want to learn new stuff. Like, I feel like an old person. Like, girl, you're only 33 and you're acting like you're 67. Like, please get it together. Um, I think it's just, but I feel the frustrations that even new entrepreneurs feel of Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You still have to innovate. Mm -hmm. You still have to go along with the trends. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think it can feel frustrating because you'll be like, man, this worked for so long and Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep working and it's like well my you can't rely on periscope to be your brand building thing when periscope Periscope. doesn't even exist anymore you know so i'm really mindful to kind of just stretch my my mindset and stretch that muscle of being willing to try new things because Mm -hmm. i don't want to have the arrogance of the pioneer who's too good to do the new things and Mm. then you are sitting around looking like blockbuster big facts big facts that's that's amazing and and, and i just want to um harp on a point you made before because one thing that we just you know pride ourselves on is that you know i was a cpa for 10 years before, mm. you know eight years before i started teaching george was a financial advisor for a long time and just we always stress the importance of 
getting the results for yourself first before giving it to somebody else. So mm-hmm. I, I came up with this uh, 3E formula that I would love your opinion on. I say um, uh, experience, expert, educate. So yes. get experience doing whatever you want to do first. Right. And then after you get your experience, you get your results, then you start branding yourself as an expert, meaning putting out content to show people how good as you are, what you do. And only then can you start getting paid to educate Mm -hmm. people on what you what you've been doing. Yes, I love that. I've ironically said those three E's before and it's a little bit different than how you said it. But it's like you want to make sure that you actually have experience. And I think that's the the biggest difference in like the coaches and the experts who are legit versus the Mm -hmm. ones who aren't. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they were like, I've watched your content and I can tell that you know what you're talking about and it's not just regurgitated content. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's a difference when you speak from experience, just speaking from, oh, I read this, you know, inside of a book. So I really love that. Like once you have the experience, how you educate people shows up so much differently. Mm -hmm. Like when I go to George, like I can go to George and ask him about like, hey, I have this lump sum of money. What do you think I should do? He's Mm going to give me feedback, not only just from his experience and how he spends his money but what you guys are doing with your clients like hey mm-hmm. we advised a client to do this right. Here, here's what their results were right so that experience is definitely a game changer amazing amazing facts facts um kind of uh as a part 1b of the pressure of being a pioneer and how you process that when you think about ambition i feel like i heard you say something one time you were like I don't know, like uh, almost like finding contentment in where you are, right? But but trying to balance that with also not being complacent, right? Yeah. So like, how do you reconcile? Like, okay, I know that I can do more. I, I see the innovation happening in this space. I see the things that I can do, but I'm tired or whatever yeah. it is. Like, how do you reconcile like finding that contentment or even maybe pausing temporarily with realizing that there's more impact that I can do? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think my prayer lately has been like, God, if you want me to do more, you're going to have to give me the desire Mm -hmm. because I am happy and fine with the type of impact that I've had. I find that I I have a little bit more ambition when I'm around my clients. We Mm -hmm. know we just got back from DR. Thank you so much for pouring into them. And so when I can see like the physical manifestation of the impact that I've created, that gets me excited. But then sometimes when I'm at home, because I I think maybe because I only work three hours a day, my brain Mm -hmm. is not primarily on like, what can I do next? What am I doing? What am I doing? I love the freedom that I have. So Mm -hmm. I don't think about ideas that will create more work for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I'm always like, what my mind really for the past year is like, how can my money create more freedom for me? That's what I'm like, George, should I invest in this? Should I do more real estate? You know, all of that. Mm -hmm. So um, it can definitely be, you know, I think it's an awkward situation because a lot of my friends are mm. entrepreneurs and they mm. are striving for more and I applaud them, right? Mm. I used to be in a space from like, we're gonna be a $10 million company. We're gonna be a $100 million company. Here's what I want. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't wanna do the work required to make $10 million. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that I'm very honest about that because it's a dangerous situation to build a $10 million company and mm-hmm. not wanna do the work mm-hmm. and then right. not do it. And then it's like, now you're operating out of integrity. Now you're ruining you know, mm-hmm. your reputation. So, or, or having to unravel something because you didn't have the foresight mm-hmm. to, to have the self-awareness right about what what makes the most sense but i i i, I really respect that though yeah. um because Especially it's, in this day and age entrepreneurship where it's yeah. like wake up at four o'clock in the morning and do that right. and make sure you get the llc <laughs> now you own nbc right right, <laughs> right. right. yeah, yeah. Like, like it's okay to just like again it's it's it's, it's um it's beauty in 
contentment as long as you're okay with what you're right. being content to. Don't let other people's uh, vision of what they want make you feel guilty about what you want for mm. yourself. Because again, becoming the person you have to be at a ten million dollar, hundred million dollar company. That person has to deal with a whole bunch of problems that come with that. Right. We just talked about that. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that come with that that people aren't aware of. Um, right. But for the ones that do want to like make a lot of money, let me ask you this: How do you coach your students on becoming the person that can pitch or um, or offer a high ticket offer? Mm. Right, because we know that high ticket offers have great profitability, but you know, we I struggle. Like you know, with my friends, getting them to become the person that think they have the right mm. to charge somebody five thousand or ten thousand dollars. Like, how yeah. do you coach your clients through that? Yeah, I love that question. Um, one of the first things is I have my clients just write down all of their receipts. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we don't believe we are the person that deserves this type of money because we literally do not see ourselves as that person. Mm-hmm. We're not fully aware of the value that we bring to our mm-hmm. industry. But when I talk to my clients, I'm like, "Girl, you are it. Like, you are brilliant." I'm mm-hmm. like, "Right." this down write this down like you know i even have those moments um it's not hard for me to charge high ticket I, oh know, that's <laughs> now, but sometimes yeah. i have those moments of like you know because it comes the issue is w- with me with people who are newly charging high ticket with us it's our brilliance has become so normal to us Ooh. that we're treating it as common. Talk about I'll say it. that one more time. Our, our brilliance has become so normal to us that we are treating it as common. Mm. And so that's why sometimes we can get stuck charging these common prices, dealing with common clients right. and living a common life. Right. And so every once in a while I have to remind myself like, girl, you've done a $400,000 a month. You've done a million dollar launch. You've worked with over 100 clients at one time. You've Uh built a multi-million dollar company. I have Uh to remind myself of this so I don't play myself like I'm common. Mm. So for the experts out there who want to charge high tickets, start writing down your receipts and recognize I'm not basic. The average person could not do this. I'm not average. I should not be running an average business and I should not be charging average prices. If you're wondering like what your price should be and you're looking at what everybody else is charging, that's the worst place to start because everybody else is doing average things. Ooh. Talk about it. Oh my God. If you want to become an above average, if you want to make an above average income, you must first become an above average person. And it takes an above average person to get people above average receipts. And you're so right because when I asked people who are you know charging more than me or, or when I asked my mentors how they're able to charge so much, their first response is because that person made X, Y, and Z. Like I was just talking to a good friend of mine. Um, she charged $100,000 for a coaching program. Mm. And I was like, well, how can you charge mm-hmm. somebody $100,000? She'd be, because they, they come out making a million. And I was right. like, well, and she was so dead, she was so right. dead ass about her. She was like, because they come out making a million. And I was right. like, well, yeah. She I was, love that. She's so right. confident, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so, it- Oh, go ahead. And I was gonna say, so then, so then you can you can almost back into your value proposition too, right? It's like, okay, if you know the results and receipts that your program can offer, that can help you quantify, right? So for us, like with our pricing right now, it's a no-brainer pricing because it's like mm-hmm. I know that from the the implementation, the service component, and then the actual results, if you do the work that you'll get from the program, this is a no-brainer price. Yeah. Sometimes people are shooting from the hip. And don't know yeah. what to charge because yeah. they don't have the receipts, yeah. right? And they don't have quantifiable proof of what makes sense, mm. right? He know that he can save you fifty thousand dollars in taxes, like with his eyes closed. Right. I know that I can help you invest fifty thousand dollars, right? Like those are like we just know. So at yeah. minimum, we technically could charge right a hundred thousand because 
at the end of the day, we know you're getting the, you're paying for this information one time. You can use it forever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's right? knowing the ROI of what you provide, right? That's, like if my exactly. clients are coming to me saying, "I want to make a hundred thousand dollars." Okay, great. It's a ten thousand dollar investment to me. That's a no brainer. Yeah. I give you ten thousand, and you're giving me the skills to make a hundred thousand. It's a no brainer, and I can do that over and over and over. So it, it really yeah. is understanding what are the results that you bring to your client. And more, and even more important than that, which you do extremely well, is maintaining the integrity of who you say yes to, mm -hmm. so that you can actually get them those results. Because yeah, that, that coach that was making five thousand, they only made five thousand dollars in a year. You could right. coach them. You could have them pay you half what they made. Uh, you could have them pay you two times more than they made all year to teach right. them how to make a hundred. But again, <laughs> they can't do it because you can't work miracles. You right. know what I'm saying? The person can't do anything. I'm serious. Yeah, because when but, you have integrity, like when you have integrity, like it makes your job easier. It's like, oh my, oh, you make over six figures. You trying to go from here to here? Like it's it's, it's child's play to mm. get them yeah. the results, right? Mm. But you have to have the discipline and the integrity to say no yes. to the money on the front end oh, that's so of real. who you let in, and that's. Mm. You and you've historically, from my vantage point, at least have done that really, really well. Thank you. That's yeah. so real. Yeah, because when we do sales calls, it's literally to see, do we believe we can help you get to the end result mm -hmm. or not? That's really what it is. Yep. And that's why we created this ascension model with our with our thing. It's like ascension leads to re retention, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, we solved the next problem. We created a new one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because like your, your next thing, again, you, I know you don't, you're, trying to, you're not trying to create any more work for yourself. <laughs> I, so I, I say this, just throwing it out there, not telling you to do it, but if you wanted to take people from 100,000 to a million, you could charge 30,000 because you now know the value proposition and you've right. done it yourself, you know, but you're right. not creating any more work. That you already have a $25,000 offer, right? I do, and it is for the people that want to make seven figures. Yeah. And I mean, I'm okay with doing more work if it's, it just has to feel fun for me. Yeah. It just has to feel fun. Having them, getting the money itself is not fun. Like how I get to the money, it has to feel fun for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. you know, I've, I've watched you um, from up close and from afar. Um, uh, my inspiration for events came from you, right? Thank you. Um, He's an event guy now. He wants yeah, to do all you. the biggest and baddest events. Yeah. I love he, it. Where's he getting this from? Then he goes to DR. I'm like, I got it. Okay. That's <laughs> so yeah, and it's so great to have people like representation at all levels is important, right? So I know like we've been able to mutually inspire each other in different ways, but like I've seen you for a long time do the same thing, and you don't you don't reinvent, you refine. Mm. Um, and so I think it's just important to understand that like at the end of the day, we're not really doing anything new. It's like, how can I get better yes. and better yes. at the thing that I've always done or have done, done for an extended period of time? I love that, I love it. Yeah. I feel when, like Carter's wheels are turning. He's like, okay, but Maya, you really could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? But again, like, and I think it's knowing what we, cause you know, who we are as entrepreneurs, right? I am a person that loves to just run and, and run and gun, right? And yeah. I don't have an off switch. He knows that, you know what I'm saying? To the right. point where we gotta go back and forth about yeah. it. But again, uh, I'm just so used to being on. So instead of like taking the 10 hours a day and saying I, I, I only wanna work five now because I really only have the five hours of work to do, I go find the extra five hours of work to right, do, right. which is probably not healthy. I should probably check that out. But it's just knowing who you are as an entrepreneur. Yeah, everybody's wired differently. Yeah. I admire those people. Like that yeah. gives me that mama mentality type yeah. energy. You know what right. I mean? Like the high performers. I like watching people like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's not where I am, but it's still really impressive because it's like, People like you are like, I don't want to waste anything while I'm breathing, mm -hmm. right? And so they're like, what can I create more of? And I think mm -hmm. that's really honorable. Yeah, 100%. Um, if you have an answer, where do you see Maya Elias in the next five years from now? 
Carter, where do you see me in five years from now? Just based off of what you see. Answer this for me. I can see you systematizing, automating this business and getting your your CEO back and operating it from different places of the country because you don't have to be you don't have to be in America that much. I love it. Definitely don't want to be in America that much. (laughs) Um, I think it is a challenging question because, you know, within the last, I'd say, 18 months, I have had this vision of I don't know how much longer I want to do this. I still want my company to run. I just don't want to run it. Mm -hmm. I've said this multiple times, like I want to own companies. I don't want to run companies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would love Built to Impact to continue growing, to continue impacting Mm -hmm. women. Um, but I want I want to build an amazing team that can serve them really yeah. well. So I've always been like on the fence, like, do I want to write a book? Do I want to mm-hmm. start a podcast? Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would I do those things if I'm not trying to be seen more? Mm-hmm. Right. So in five years, I mean, if I could just keep making money off of the assets that I own, including my business mm-hmm. and not be so visible, not be so hands on, that would be great. I think my primary focus is like, Get somebody's son, mm-hmm. get them to get me pregnant, <laughs> yeah. and we're living. You know, we're just traveling the world. No, I, 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 I love that. Um, if I if I could add to piggyback to what he said, I could see if you decided to go the route of building a business that you could exit and hire a CEO. Right, the business still exists. You have a, another flagship program that's for people who are above seven figures that want to build an exit, build their business to exit, so it goes from built to impact to built to exit. Ooh. Um, and then Jesus you have the you have, you, have the docu- you have the documented proof of doing it, um, hiring the CEO. The business still lives okay. on, and it's the best of both worlds. You get a you get a liquidity event. Hold on, don't drop this episode before I look up the domain. <laughs> Fair enough. Now you got time. You got time. Right, you get, you get a, by the time y'all watching this, domain's right. secure. Right, exactly. Don't right. try it. Trademark. Trademark. <laughs> true business owners. True, business, true, right? true business owners. Right. True business owners. And have have that program right because then you have a liquidity event you truly won't need the money right because you you hired a ceo somebody came in you know to take over the business you truly own it as an asset and you, and you have you your own it. funnel of right. clients because uh, yeah, exactly. when everybody that comes to build to impact they're like oh yo well that way like well yeah. mike got this program called build to exit if you're tired of this like you know what right. I'm saying? i right. love it that's so, very sexy so the right, house. It sounds like we have a program we got to collaborate there we go there we go so right good. turn the business into an asset that you own instead of a business that you run Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's crazy. Um, one of the questions we love to ask on this show um, at the that amazing business idea is um, you're a, a person of melanin skin. You're also a millionaire. So we want to ask you the question of what does being a melanin millionaire mean to you? Being a melanin millionaire means freedom, uh, freedom, wealth building. I think it was just really interesting when I realized that I was a millionaire and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm the first millionaire in my family. This is so interesting. And Mm -hmm. I think it was just like, I want to create just better experiences for Mm -hmm. the people, you know, closest to me. So I think it's like freedom, better experiences, like taking my parents on trips and, Mm -hmm. you know, spending more time with them. Um, Just the freedom and fulfillment is what it means to me. I love it. it. Ladies and gentlemen, Maya Elias, the melanin millionaire, who is building a new program. <laughs> <laughs> to but thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, again, I know these are conversations that we can have offline, but I think the world needs to benefit from your genius. And thank you so much for sharing your, generously sharing your value with the world. Thank you guys for having me. This has been such a pleasure. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Peace. Peace.